welcome back to Commodity Conversations by Mercado for your weekly catch-up on all the key moves, news and drivers of agricultural markets. I'm Olivia Agar and I'm going to hand over to Mercado's Managing Director Robert Herman and our Senior Analyst Adrian Ladaniski for today's episode. So the big news this week, of course, was the announcement that Beijing has launched an anti-dumping investigation into wines imported from Australia which is the third Australian product to be targeted this year by China. And while wine isn't a product we regularly analyse on Mercado, Adrian does have a bit of a vested interest in this market. He has a beautiful vineyard in the Pyrenees, so I was going to have a bit of a chat about what this might mean for Australian growers and then moves on to other products that are highly reliant on China as a customer and what our exposure is to those markets. But before we kick off, I'd just like to thank our sponsor for this week, Cleaver's Meats. There's never any question of the quality of the products and it's such an easy crowd pleaser or maybe just a family pleaser with the current restrictions, but they're, they're ready to go burgers or sausages are always a winner. So thank you very much, Cleaver's Meats, for supporting today's episode. And with that, I'll hand over to Rob and Adrian for this week's conversation. So today, Adrian, it's you and me. Um, let's call it the big W story today. Uh, let's talk wine and wool. Unfortunately, it's not positive news. And I'll talk about wool and front up and, and, and explain that situation. But as Olivia said, you know a fair bit about wine. So what, what's the backstory from your point of view on this new China investigation into Australian wines relative to an, anti, uh, uh, an anti-dumping accusation, I guess? Rob, it's a really unprecedented move, I think. And um, for anti-dumping, we haven't really been selling all that much cheap wine to China. Chinese export market is worth about 39% um, by value uh, of our total exports to the world uh, for wine. And it's actually a premium market. But by volume, the amount of wine that we send to China is actually only around about 17% um, of our total exports. The interesting thing, I think, Rob, is that China's accused us of dumping wine upon the market, yet we actually sell wine on average for actually more than what we um, get for it here domestically. So the average price, I think, last year on export was around about 9 or $10 um, to China, whereas here domestically, wine is only worth around about 7 So it's a premium market there. So perhaps we should be having an investigation into our own local wine prices because you're right, um, we are a bit spoiled here. We get, um, we get fantastic wines at what I think are quite competitive prices. And I don't want to pretend I'm an expert, but I, I know what I like, Adrian. There's one other factor though. How is that going to impact, do you think? And this, is, this will be a bit of speculation, but in the longer term, what, what's the Australian wine or grape grower or winemaker going to do? I mean, what, what's going to be the immediate impact of, of this? There won't be much of an immediate impact in the next year or so. Um, the investigation is going to take about a year and they're expecting to come up with a finding next August. And that could actually be drawn out as far as February um, 22. I think it very much depends on who you are. Now, much of the wine that goes to China, as I said, is very much in that premium sector. Much of the wine that is for the premium sector is cool climate um, grapes. And now that's down in South Australia, as opposed to up in the irrigated regions up near the Murray. Now, to put into perspective, only around about 20% of Australia's grape crush 
um, actually comes from the cool climate areas, whereas 80% is, is grown up on the border of New South Wales, um, Vic and, um, and South Australia. So from the perspective of uh, the producers here, and I guess concerns about, uh, about water rights, for example, little impact up near the Murray, but it will be felt very harshly um, down in South Australia. It's interesting, Adrian, that, you know, there is not much clarity about what the impact might be, but I can tell you in the wool market, there is some clarity in, in the impact of COVID. And we saw it again this week. Um, there was another 6% reduction in the price. Uh, this is the lowest price we've seen uh, since September 2012 for the wool market. So at that point, and it's come below the, the sort of threshold level, if you like, although it's probably just an emotional threshold of a thousand cents. Um, the, the other factor was that we, we didn't offer very much wool this week. We offered um, uh, only 33,000 bales, which was up a little bit on last week, but still not a big offering. But we, we passed in 25.7%, and that meant just 24,600 bales were traded. In fact, in Western Australia, they only sold 3,100 bales. So as a result of that, next week, we've got a small offering coming forward, which will help. But uh, Western Australia is actually going to have a rest and not even, not even have a sale, given the low volume of all that's coming through. So we're seeing markets uh, impacted again by COVID-19. We've seen in US dollar terms, the last time the market was at these levels, uh, was in 2009. And, and the reason we look at it in US dollar terms is because that's the internationally traded currency and the sort of currency that represents what our buyers are paying. So wool is very cheap and, and we know supply is very low. So if you've got both those factors and, and the price isn't going up, um, it tells us that demand is really being hit for six. And that's what's happening with, um, with COVID. It's just impacting so severely on the wool market. Now, the big challenge will be what to do, because on the one hand, we, want, we don't want the market flooded with wool. So we want growers to hold wool back from the market so that the price doesn't collapse even further in these Dow times. On the other hand, though, wool that's held back has to be sold sometime in the future. So it, it, it will weigh on the market in the future. So it's a very delicate balancing act for the wool market at the moment. There's a lot of frustration. Um, and, and to see the market, which was already in some sort of decline in 2018, it sort of peaked. It was in some sort of um, cyclical decline. Then to have this overlaid on it again was a really big hit. Um, I was just reading though, Adrian, um, and for those listening, you're listening to Commodity Conversations and I'm talking to Adrian today and I'm, my name is Robert Herman. One of the things that we've been really keen to have a look at is this spring lamb flush that, that traditionally arrives on the East Coast. And I know you posted a graph and I think we'll do some more work on this in the next week or two, but what were you seeing in terms of the volume and, and, and what can we learn from that perhaps about what's going to come, what's coming ahead of us? Well, Rob, the spring lamb flush starts at the start of August in New South Wales, and then it moves up towards Victoria and um, South Australia. Um, and we see a, a peak um, in November um, when it starts coming back down again. On average, we've seen about 350,000 um, come through just the sale yards over the last few years. And I think the relevance here is that there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment um, with regard to processor capacity 
um, over the next couple of months because of closures and restrictions in Victoria um, on our meatworks. Can they actually handle the amount of um, lambs that are going to be coming through in the next little while? It's the big question. We've seen slaughter rates stabilise this week, but we haven't really seen the big flush of lambs come through. So the ability for the industry to, to soak up these lambs coming through, I think, um, is yet to be tested, Rob. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, there's a couple of things that are overlaid over the top of it, I suppose. We haven't got a big crop of lambs. You know, the sheep flock is low. So, uh, you know, if we go back to when these ewes were mated, conditions were still tough enough. And so, the, you know, and people were still selling off mutton and, and therefore selling off ewes. But since that time, uh, the conditions have been fantastic. And what it's meant is that I think the survival of the lambs and the, has been better than last year. And for those who can remember, we had terrible reports last year of, of some farms out in the Western New South Wales where you know, their, their survival rate of lambs to use mated was in the low 20% or even lower. So that, isn't been, that hasn't been a factor. And the other thing that will impact on this supply is that it's, it's almost like a two-edged sword here. On the one hand, lambs have done very well this year because the season's been excellent. So they've done very well and they're well advanced. On the other hand, and, and so they could be coming to the market earlier because they're reaching their weights. But on the other hand, is that the conditions are so good in a lot of these areas that farmers will be inclined to hold them back a little bit longer and put on a bit more weight. Now, in other years, we've seen where, especially in New South Wales, where if the season does tighten up and the, and the rain stops, farmers have just got to destock their lambs. And of course, that floods the market. So I think, Adrian, we'll be certainly watching closely what happens in this, um, in this space in terms of supply. As you mentioned, there's a complicating factor and that's COVID-19, not just in terms of the market demand, but in terms of our capacity to slaughter. So that'll be something we'll watch. I think um, as, as always, um, we look at agricultural markets and we say, it's an, there's always something interesting to talk about. Well, perhaps this year it's a little bit too interesting, a little bit too much to talk about with things coming out of left field, but, uh, but people can be assured that, or listeners can be assured that we'll be looking at those angles and looking at all those avenues on Mercado. So I think, Adrian, unless you've got anything, any uh, great insights on wine or, uh, or wool or whatever, um, we might wrap it up there. We, we certainly wish our, uh, all our listeners well this weekend. It, where we're sitting, it's a pretty rugged old weekend coming up, wet and cold. But in a lot of areas at this time of the year, wet and cold's not a bad thing. So we're getting closer to spring. So uh, did you have anything to add, Adrian, just to finish off or...? I think we might talk a little bit about storage. And um, at the moment, Australia has about 1.6, 1.7 billion litres of wine um, on storage at the moment. And this is actually lower than we've had over the last few years. Um, it's been up over the 2 billion in the last decade. And I guess one of the great things about wine is that for especially the reds, which is actually what the a lot of what was going to the Chinese market, is we can actually store that. So the wine will find an outlet over time. Uh, we can store it. And in terms of, I guess, how much storage we do have, we've got about three years worth of domestic consumption available to us. In terms of storage? In just in, that's just a little bit of t trivia there. Well, there's a, there's a great... <laughs> we found a positive out of everything. Um, the positive is that we'll have plenty of uh, 
Plenty of wine. Plenty of also wine happening for us. So, <laughs> <laughs> at right. the very worst. But the Chinese wine's only about 110 million um, litres uh, at the end of the day, which is only about 10% of our production. And because, I guess, of the, of the marketplace that we're sending that wine to, this wine is already quite expensive and it's targeted towards actually some a lot of the uh, more affluent consumers uh, in China. So if there is a significant tariff, I think that because we've got quite a loyal following of about 56 million um, Chinese, which regularly um, drink Chinese, uh, regularly drink Australian wine, sorry, I think they will still reach for their favourite brands. Um, and even if the price does come up a bit, really because of the position uh, that they're in. So, All right. Well, we might have just attracted a completely new listening audience to Mercado this week, Adrian, with uh, the wine report. Um, stay tuned. Stay in touch with Mercado. If you like what you're hearing, give us a, give us a like and send it to your friends and, and family. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks for supporting Mercado. For all the um, background information and detail, go to our website and you can capture the lot. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Rob.